Before we get started this week, I want to tell you guys about the Fort Worth Food and Wine Festival. This spring, Cowtown becomes Chowtown, and it's all thanks to the Fort Worth Food and Wine Festival, a can't-miss celebration of our community's diverse flavors. With six events between April 4th and 7th, the festival features a growing roster of talented chefs and food artisans, as well as craft brewers and distinctive vintners, bringing a range of tastes, styles, and methods that reflect the diversity of the city itself. But it's more than a good time. It's a good cause, with proceeds supporting local grant programs and culinary scholarships. Event tickets get you all you can eat and drink from the best chefs in Fort Worth and beyond. And this year brings two brand new ways to experience the festival. The Culinary Corral, a four-hour celebration of the best of the fest, and the Ring of Fire Next Level Cookout, a live fire and live music event. Buy tickets today and learn more about the festival at fwfwf.com. That's fwfwf.com. You know, uh, at, at first, uh, as a young man, ambitious and all that, I wanted to make my own name at Swiss Pastry and, you know, wanted to downplay the importance of Black Forest Cake. But as I've gotten older and more nostalgic, it's, it's you know, it's just really neat to see how much history it has with families in Fort Worth. We'll, we'll, we'll run it as a special two or three times throughout the week, so it's a weekly special. Okay. And then if the sales are consistent, then we'll, we'll put it on the menu. Um, I, you know, there have been a few things that I've added to the menu that have flopped and yeah. a few things that have really taken off. There's an insult in Switzerland where if they call you a shoemaker, it means you're not very skillful. You're kind of <laughs> my dad called me a shoemaker throughout my 20s. You are listening to Fort Worth Food Stories, brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. All right, welcome to Fort Worth Food Stories. I'm your host, James Creange. Today I'm joined by the chef owner of the Swiss pastry shop, Hans Mueller. Hans is here with the Fort Worth Food and Wine Festival, as well as the Swiss pastry shop. So thank you so much for joining me today. You're very welcome. Glad to be here. Uh, so let's start off where the shop started off. It was about, what, 46 years ago, right? Yeah, uh, my dad moved to the States in the early 60s. His name was Hans, too, and he uh, uh, was hired on at Ridgely Country Club as, as their pastry chef. And... Uh, in Europe, if, if you want to be a baker or a chef or own a restaurant or whatever, it's very difficult to do because the money's so tight over there that his dream was to come to the States and open his own bakery. And after four or five years, originally, uh, he, he did just that, saved up, bought an oven, and leased out a little space on Vickery, where we still are today. And, I mean, he's basically still a, a legend in the Fort Worth community, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, the way people talk about your dad is... Yeah, he and, uh, and uh, Walter Kaufman and... Uh, Alphonse Whitmer, who ran the Balcony Restaurant for many, many years, were all kind of like the Swiss Brat Pack that came over in the 60s, <laughs> and they were really important uh, in uh, continental cuisine and, and pastry for, you know, and, and still are, really. And, and how long did it take before that shop was a success? Um, you know, the, the landlord came in every month for the first few years, and, and you know, it was like, well, I don't expect that you'll be here much longer, but, uh, you know, Dad had that... Uh, hard-working long-ago mindset that he had a minimal crew and he and my mom and a few other people worked all the time and worked many many hours and you know the, the it was not very profitable for a while but eventually word got out and 
you know, and, and, and more and more people came in and we grew steadily for the past 45 years. That's, that's great. So, I mean, he, he lived the true American dream, quote unquote, right, of, of coming right. over here and, right. and he was a, a great success. Um, and after his passing in, in 2013, Eric Griffey of the Fort Worth Weekly wrote a nice tribute to your dad um, in which he included that your dad was a part of his birthday tradition because of the Black Forest cake. How much does it mean to you that your dad had that kind of impact on Fort Worth where, you know, people, it, it's weird to think about food having such an impact on people's lives, but it really does. And, and how much does it mean to you that your dad's legacy still lives on? You know, every time I post a picture of that of that cake in, in, on Facebook or whatever, it, you know, you get lots of stories about, oh, that's just been so important to our family over the years. And so, you know, we, we can't have a birthday without it. And, uh, you know, who, who knew? Uh, meringue desserts like the Black Forest are just, uh, they're ubiquitous in, in Switzerland. Everybody makes one. Everybody has <laughs> one. But I think it was just something really unique to Fort Worth. Came in at the right time, at the right, you know, at the right moment and uh and really kind of captivated the imagination of, of fort worthians and it's been it's just it's you know I, at, at first uh as a young man ambitious and all that i wanted to make my own name at swiss pastry and you know wanted to downplay the importance of black forest cake but as i've gotten older and more nostalgic it's it's you know it's just really neat to see how much history it has with families in fort worth yeah i wanted to ask you that one, did you always know that you were going to work at Swiss Pastry? And then two, were you afraid of trying to fill such big shoes? Um, I wanted to do anything but as a teenager <laughs> because I saw the, the life, uh, you know, we, we always had plenty to eat, and plenty, but, but Dad worked super, super hard and wasn't real actively involved in, in my schooling and school life because he just had to be there all the time. And so I said, I'm not going to do that. And... Uh, wanted to be a, a, a biologist or a doctor or whatever. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I, about my early 20s, it just really started to sink home that, hey, this is, this is a great business. It's very important to Fort Worth. I could do, be doing some other things, but, but uh, you know, it really had a draw on me. So I went to a, the American Institute of Baking at Kansas State in the early 90s and then finished a business degree at ACU uh, and then, you know, decided to come back full-time to the pastry shop in 93. So are, the, are there ways that you've run the shop that are different than the way your dad did it after seeing those, uh, you know, struggles with being there with family life and stuff? Um, yeah, um, and it's very fortunate that, that we've been profitable and, and that the business has grown because I've been able to hire more people than he did. I mean, as, as a 20-something-year-old working with him, we both worked 15, 16 hours a day a lot of the time, and, and there, there wasn't much time for any fun at all. And uh, so we, we've, we've grown enough that we can have a bigger staff and, and you know, I'm, I get to get by with about 50, 60 hours a week instead of 80 or 90 yeah. and, and it, it makes it good for my family. So been real blessed uh, that he put in all that work to begin with that, that we could uh, not coast but uh, maybe pedal in a smaller gear for a little while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good. That's good. Uh, so when you added the burger and the cheesesteak to the menu, were you trying to put your own stamp on the menu when, when you talked about trying to switch away from that Black Forest cake? Um, yes, uh, but I, I, just, I wanted to sell the food that I liked as well and uh, also wanted to really remain relevant. Uh, uh, you know, the, the Black Forest has its own market. It's still to this day 20 to 25% of our sales, and there's nothing else that can replace <laughs> crazy. it. crazy. But uh, 
what, what I noticed uh, as I got more active in the business and went out in the dining room is that our clientele was, was most of them were older and regulars and, you know, God bless them for coming in all the time and, and uh, you know, being there twice a week and eating regularly. But uh, we didn't see a whole lot of younger people coming in. And I thought to myself, hey, 20 years from now, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where are we going to be if we don't get new customers? <laughs> and so, you know. Some people thought it was silly that I did burgers. My dad wasn't too thrilled about it at first, but uh, you know what I really wanted to do was was do a really high quality product and uh, and not just kind of do a, a five dollar burger like like there are a lot of places already doing quite well, and uh, it, it it took off and uh, you know it, it's easy to make good food if you really like it and so I, I really liked burgers and I liked barbecue and you know we're not we're not going to compete with. Heim and the like and all the all the barbecue restaurants that are doing a whole lot of really neat products too but we just wanted to include a couple of sandwiches that that showed that showed that fort worth liked barbecue and so yeah and and tell me about that burger tell me about why is it not better than the five dollar burger um well we we uh i went through a progression when first we got a whole lot of people requesting a burger at swiss pastry shop and so I went to the local food supplier and got some commodity beef and said, hey, have a burger. But then I really can't live with myself if I do that. So we, we found higher and higher quality sources of meat. And I, we have a relationship with Lone Star out of Austin now. And we do a custom grind Akaoshi Wagyu burger. So, you know, it's supposed to have healthier fats in it. It's supposed to be juicier and more tender. Uh, the fats melt at a lower temperature than typical beef fat. And so it just, it, it it, it's an all. I think it's an all-around better burger because of the flavor and 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 the juiciness. So, well, so one of my favorite things about doing the podcast is I get to go eat at a lot of places that I hadn't ever eaten before mm-hmm. uh, because I I claim it in the name of research and, and mm-hmm. I want to go check out the place. Now I haven't tried your burger yet, but I am going to go back and try your burger. But basically, everything on the menu that you have just looks so good and delicious. But it also has an affordable price point, which I think is really nice, especially as we're coming into 2019 and, and the prices are getting jacked just about everywhere. Mm-hmm. So how do you keep your costs down and um, was that a, a main focus for you? Um, well, we, we, we try to sell a lot of it and that's how we keep the costs down. We make a, a little bit less money on each burger or each sandwich than some of the other restaurants do, but we, have, we typically are very busy every day for lunch because people can afford to eat with us all the time. And that's just a decision we made. Uh, it's not necessarily the right or wrong model to run a business, but we, we, we do a lot more volume than a lot of other places and just make a little bit less off each sale. Okay, cool. That actually makes a lot of sense. You get a lot of customers, bring the price down. I had uh, your fried egg sandwich the other day. I thought it was awesome. You guys do a great breakfast, brunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I said, I'm definitely gonna try your burger sometime Thanks. soon. Um, do you have a favorite thing on the menu? Uh, it, 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 no, it's usually the latest thing I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, right now, I, I mean, I eat a lot of schnitzel. We just, we just, we, for a while we had a dinner, uh, service and just because of where Swiss pastry is and offering German food, it, it just didn't take off. But so we've started adding a couple of German Swiss items to our, uh, lunch menu just slowly but surely because I like that. Okay. And that's, that's the only reason is because I like schnitzel. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it has taken off. And so right now, if I, yeah, I'll, I'll, 
I eat more schnitzel than anything else. Okay, well, it, it must be nice to have your own restaurant and be able to just throw your own stuff on there because you like it. Yeah, That's I awesome. mean, I, I, I wake up in the middle of the night sometime with, with an idea for something, and, and then we'll, we, we have a special board, we'll put it on that, and if, it really, if, if people really buy into it and want it and we sell a lot of it, then in a couple of months it goes on the menu. When you have an idea, do you, so you test it out with the customers on the special board, but how many people are you trying it through before it actually goes up on that special board? Well, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll run it as a special two or three times throughout the week, so it's a weekly special. Okay. And then if the sales are consistent, then we'll, we'll put it on the menu. Um, I, you know, there have been a few things that I've added to the menu that have flopped and yeah. a few things that have really taken off. The Fort Worth cheesesteak has, has just been a, a really... You know, I, I had to buy a bigger smoker a while back huh. because there just wasn't <laughs> wasn't enough room in the little smoker to get it done. So, well, I, I think it's really cool that you can have this successful business and you can be open for forty plus years, forty five plus years, and be able to say, okay, this failed, this didn't work, and and you had mentioned before the the German dinner, it just didn't work. So, how? Is it hard for you? Um, I know myself, I would be stubborn about if I wanted to push something, I'd want to keep it on there. How hard is it for you to pull something off the menu that's just not working? Uh, I, I've learned a few things from some other older chefs that, that uh, proud chefs don't tend to stay in business very long. <laughs> um, you know, if I had a steakhouse and you wanted your steak well done. I would, I would probably, we'd probably all like other chefs make fun of you in the kitchen, but gladly send it out to you cooked well done in order to, uh, to, to keep business. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the same with any menu. I, I don't, I'm not attached to anything. If the customers want it, they, uh, you know, that's what they get. And, uh, that's, that's kind of, that's a model for staying in business is giving, you know, getting your pride out of the way and, and, uh, giving the customers what they want. See, I don't think I'd be a very good chef. <laughs> I think I'd, I'd want to stick with what I like. Um, how often are you tweaking new things? And, and um, on, on the other side of that, are you know, do you consider yourself more on the savory side or, or the pastry side of things? Day-to-day, I, I, day-to-day I work in pastry. Um, that's where all my schooling is. That's where my – and I, I have a good grill cook and, uh, you know, a good KM, and they, they manage that restaurant side. Um, I do frequently, like I said, put new burgers or new sandwiches on the main, on the, the, the uh, specials board just because that's, you know, I think it's very important for chefs to watch a lot of culinary TV and, and watch travel shows and see what people are eating and see what people are into and then experiment with those things. And so I like to, that's, that's the fun part of the job is the 10% of stuff that you get to do that's creative. How, how long would you say it took before you felt confident that you could run the pastry shop? And, and how long until you were kind of a master at your craft? Well, uh, you know, I, like I said, I started about 23 full-time. Uh, there's an insult in Switzerland where if they call you a shoemaker, it means you're not very skillful. You're kind of sloppy. <laughs> my dad called me a shoemaker throughout my 20s. Uh, he just, he not to belittle shoemakers, but the, the, Swiss, <laughs> the Swiss didn't like Italian shoemakers back in World War II and all that, and so that was a saying that came about. Um, so I worked very hard through my 20s to, to get him to stop saying that. Uh, you know, I started to feel comfortable as being a partner in Swiss Pastry Shop in my 30s. And, uh, you know, that 10-year that period where Dad and I worked together was very nice. He could take a vacation and I could take a vacation. And then my dad got sick with Parkinson's uh, in, uh, let's say, 
uh, late two, late two thousands, and then and ended up passing away in two thousand thirteen. And uh, that period was ru- was a rough uh, period. I gained a lot of weight, didn't leave the shop very much, was very stressed, and uh, you know because it was now solo, and we we. My wife took over as, as the financial manager of the pastry shop, and, and we had to get some new general managers in. And so we, we for the past six, seven years since my dad passed away, we've I, I felt like we've been in a little bit of a constant tra- state of transition. Okay. So. Yeah, and, and where do you see that transition taking you? I mean, do you hope to retire with the Swiss pastry shop? or? I've got two kids, and neither of them at this point. My son is 16. He doesn't seem all that interested. But <laughs> when I was 16, I would have told you this was the last thing in the world I wanted yeah. to do. So, you know, I've got, I'm, I'm almost 50. I've got another 10, 12 good years in me of, of working full-time and doing it at, at a fast pace, I think, if I keep myself in shape. And uh, if neither of my kids are interested, you know, 10 years from now, then maybe we'll look into you know man, selling the recipe for black forest and manufacturing it or something or or selling the whole bakery outright i have no idea but you know right now i'd like to keep it in the family if that's the case but it, I, I didn't want to pressure either of my children and you know base a father's love on if you're going to yeah. follow in my footsteps or not so well i think that's good and, and i think probably because you did that there's maybe more of a chance that they will follow yeah. in your footsteps maybe uh, I think there would be also a lot of people that would be happy if you went with the route of manufacturing the uh, Black Forest cake. They get it all around. <laughs> yeah, if anybody's out there who wants to invest, I'm happy to happy to talk. <laughs> um, so as a shop that's been open 40 plus years, you've been working there for over 30 years um, or about 30 years. You've seen all kinds of workers come and go through the shop. And, and I say we're sitting here in a culinary school with culinary workers that want to get into the field. Um, what's been the biggest change in work ethic that you've seen, and, and how do you cater to this younger generation of workers? Um, I mean, we, we were, I, again, I don't, I don't want to, each, each generation of young people gets shots taken at them by the older generation yeah. of people about their work ethic. I, I, don't, I don't think that the, let's say, millennial work ethic is any worse than all of us were as 20-year-olds. We had other interests that were more pressing than work. And when you get kids and you get in your 30s and you get a little older, you, making a dollar seems a little bit more important and you're willing to work a little more for it. Um, the, you know, the, the, the studies show that millennials value time off and, and time away, and that's probably actually pretty healthy. That they that they you know don't put so much interest in the almighty dollar and and getting a BMW or whatever, <laughs> um, but uh, you know we we had staff in the old generation that that worked with us from the age thirty to retirement and they were just a server or a you know a counter person or a, and granted they were probably married to a guy who had a you know a guy or girl who had a job on the other side and were a yeah. income family, but. Uh, the, the younger crowd has, has, a lot of them have come and gone more quickly than our staff used to. So we, we deal with more staff turnover now than we used to. Is that a major headache for you, having to retrain new people all the time? Yes, because, uh, you know, the, uh, baking is a specific skill set, you know, that's, that's a little bit more complex. And there's, a, you know, the, I'm glad you guys are teaching kids to do some of it, but it, it's, it's, it's a... Uh, there are a lot more people out here, out there now, who want to be a chef than want to be a baker or want to be. It's just not a thing that kids aspire to right now. And so, you know, it, it, there are a few people who want to come through, but we don't have a, a ton of people to pick from day in day out that are clamoring to become bakers. Yeah. And so that that you know, it, there's there's more training required. There's more, 
you know, people come in at a little bit lower hourly wage to, and, and then learn to do it from me rather than come in as a star baker and, and you know, that kind of stuff. That's interesting. That I, I, You never really think about that behind the scenes type thing. At least I don't. I'm sure a lot of restaurant owners do. But, um, you know, it's it's fine if you have all the knowledge in the world, but you need you can't do it all yourself. So right. that makes sense. What what do you expect out of your workers on a day-to-day basis? And what could set someone apart as a candidate that you would look to hire as opposed to someone you might pass over? Um, you know, we, we, it's not so much about skill set in the beginning. It's about, I, I've always said I, I want somebody ambitious and who who wants to take work from me. We get a lot of, of people who have come in and they kind of wait for you to give an instruction and they wait and then they do their job and don't aspire to take on more responsibility or, or, or take control. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had to wrestle <laughs> responsibility and privilege away from my dad he, he wasn't willing to give it so I had to fight for new jobs and new responsibility and new and a, and a higher salary working for my dad and uh, you know made that decision in my 20s that's what I was going to do and so we're, we're looking for people one who, who do have a basic knowledge of culinary you know works and who want to work in that field but we really look for for people who who want to take on responsibility and who want to do more than just their job. That's cool. That's a great way to hire, I think, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the, the food industry in Fort Worth. And, uh, you know, we've talked about some of the ways maybe workers have been different, but let's talk about the food industry here. And, and what are some of the changes you've seen in Fort Worth? Because to me, as someone who's been here six years, it seems like it's growing every single year. It is. Um, I'm very glad, uh, no offense to Chili's and all the big wigs, and all yeah. that, but I'm very glad that Fort Worth's taken on a little bit more of its own identity and some local guys are coming up and, and making a name for themselves. Uh, you know, I, I wish we didn't take as much cues from Dallas and Austin, though Austin is great and, and uh, kind of developed a little bit more our own food culture, and I think we're going that direction. But, uh, you know, I, I, I struggle with the, I'd much rather go to a mom and pop or a friend's restaurant than I would even a medium-sized chain that may not be national but may be local to, uh, you know, Fort Worthians are a little slow to want to try new stuff. You know, we, they, they, if you introduce something, if uh, I went for a while where I was I'm going to put game meat on my menu and do some, like, game burgers, not yeah. steaks and chops and whatever, but doing elk burger and a, or a whatever. And, uh, you know, there are very few chefs in Fort Worth who can get by with selling that maybe John Bonnell and, and Chef Tim Love and those those guys can sell some game yeah. No, Nobody bought it from me, so I ended up making elk chili for the family <laughs> afterwards. And uh, so I, I would say that, that Fort Worthians are, are, they like their meat and potatoes. They like uh, a value meal that's not, I don't mean a McDonald's value meal, but just a, a meal that's, that's affordable. And uh, they are a little bit slower to accept new things and new foods than some of those coastal cultures in New York and, and Austin and, and, and California are. Yeah, and, and that's where I'm from is New Jersey, and, and I came out here, and when I first came out, it was like everywhere was meat and potatoes. And, right. But now I, I love that there's this growing scene, and, and people are 
like maybe not willing to try like game meats, but but willing to try more foods and, and there's more stuff to offer. And, and I agree. And, and that's really why we started the podcast in the first place is to highlight some of these places, mm-hmm. these independent type shops um, in Fort Worth. And one of the ways I think that the food scene is growing is through the Fort Worth Food and Wine Festival. Um, and like I said, you're, you're here with the festival this year. You'll be participating. Um, what is your role going to be? Well, um, <coughs> for the... For the past few years, we've been involved in burgers, blues, and brews, and we did we did our cheesesteak one year, and a few years we did burgers there, and uh, that's been really, really helpful to uh, get our name out there as a maker of good burgers, and uh, we were able to experiment with uh, you know special burgers and offer them to the public, and and got a really lot of good response, and it's brought in a lot of people. This year, um, I've done that so many years on Saturday night, and that's that's a tough sell for me because I go to work at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> And to then to work and then go to Food and Wine Festival on Saturday evening has been tough. So this year we're going to do a, a, a whiskey banana pudding at the barbecue event on nice. Sunday. The, the Grill Kings or whatever it's called on Sunday afternoon. And uh, so I, I, I've gotten, I've pulled back a little bit more and I'm starting to do a few new desserts rather than savory side because that's a little bit easier for me to take on by myself. Sure. And, and aside from just getting your name out there, why do you think the festival is important for the community? Um, well, obviously, it promotes scholarships for young chefs and all that kind of stuff, and that's that's real neat to, to know that there may be some young, talented people who might not otherwise have an opportunity who can get involved in chefing. Two, it's, it builds camaraderie among chefs in Fort Worth that we all get to go try each other's stuff and, and talk and have a beer together and all that kind of stuff that we might not otherwise. But it also is, a, I mean, I, I really sincerely wish that more and, and different restaurants would participate in the future uh, so that the you know one of it takes a little burden off of all of us who have done it for many many years yeah. already but two it, it really does allow you to get to to show something to five six hundred people that might not know where your restaurant even is and uh, you know we, nobody knew that we did a burger until really food and wine festival really we start, we were there selling burgers with all with Fred's and all the other guys who, who everybody knew about and they're like wow Swiss pastry has a good burger too and so that's, that's been really good for us. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And you bring up, you know, people might not know where your shop is and, and all that kind of stuff for other restaurants. The one thing I'm always amazed at with the Swiss Pastry Shop is that when you drive by it, you don't have a big sign out front. Um, the windows are kind of darkly tinted, mm-hmm. and it's always packed. I mean, there is that lot is always full. Do you rely just fully on, on word of mouth and, and people knowing you guys? For many, many years we did. We do a lot of social media, too, now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we don't do a whole lot of advertising. It, 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 it's hard to, to keep the slim profit margin that we do and then invest a lot in doing, in doing advertising. And, uh, you know, we've thought about getting a, a promotional team and, and all that. But, uh, you know, I... doesn't <laughs> it, seem necessary. <laughs> it, 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 I, I've toyed with the idea of growing rapidly and getting a new place and, and, and being flashy and all that kind of stuff. And I, there's a draw to that. You know, a lot of my, my chef buddies are building brand new restaurants and they look really, really cool. <laughs> but there's a whole lot of headaches that go with that that, that I don't have because... Uh, most of what I, most of my equipment is paid for, and, and you know the building is is lo- it doesn't cost a whole lot, and you know so I, I, we can get by with some of the stuff we do in playing with food, you know, and, and creating stuff that other people can't that are really beholding to the dollar. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and and one of the things that I really love about your place is when you do walk in, you kind of have that 
old-timey feel, and, mm-hmm. and it's a really awesome spot to get in. Uh, but like I said, I am always amazed driving by. It's like everyone just knows where you guys mm-hmm. are, and, and that's awesome. That's really cool. So um, everyone is going to be able to check you out at the festival, but where can they find you daily for those people that don't know exactly where the shop is? And then uh, just promote your social media and your website and all that. Okay. Um, we are on West Vickery Boulevard at 3936, just a few blocks west of Montgomery Street, where, where the Railhead Smokehouse and, and the Fish Restaurant are there. And uh, we've been there 45 years now. Uh, uh I'm on Instagram as Swiss Pastry Shop FW, and uh, we're on uh, Facebook at SwissPastryShop.com or whatever it is. Um, so if you if you if you search Swiss Pastry Shop in Facebook, then you'll find us. We're at the top of the listing. So okay, cool. <laughs> well, Hans, thank you again so much for coming on. This has been a, a fun chat, and like I said, I'm I'm definitely gonna go try that burger maybe this week or next. Super, super. Ask for me when you come in, and I'll come come sit with you and see how you like it. That interview was brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. Located on Campoe Boulevard, the Culinary School of Fort Worth is helping future chefs pursue their dreams every single day. You can reach out for more information or to schedule a tour on their website at csftw.edu, or you can reach them by phone at 817-737-8427. Also, you can check them out on social media to see what's going on daily at the school at Culinary School of Fort Worth on Facebook and Culinary School FTW on Instagram.